while regulating militia being necessary to the security of a free state, the right of the people to keep and bear arms shall not be infringed. Welcome to another edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. My name is Cam Edwards. I'm so glad you're with us on the program today. Uh, joining me on the program, Larry Correa. Now, you know Larry from the incredibly popular Monster Hunter series of books, but he has a brand new book out, nonfiction, in defense of the Second Amendment. And what a time for this book to be released, as you've got uh, California Governor Gavin Newsom uh, complaining that, uh, you know, uh, is this the cost of freedom, these mass shootings that we're having here? Why can't we just ban these guns? Why can't we just eradicate the right to keep them? Because we'll all be safer, he says. If we were to do just that, uh, Larry <clears throat> and I and uh, tens of millions of Americans, of course, uh, disagree. And uh, as I mentioned, Larry's new book, a uh, fantastic addition to the library of not just gun owners and Second Amendment supporters, but frankly, uh, anybody and everybody who cares about this issue. Take a look and a listen. Larry, thank you so much, sir, for coming to the program. Congratulations on the new book. I am so excited about this. Well, thanks for having me on, Cam. I really appreciate it. Absolutely. So, I mean, listen, I got to ask, I mean, for folks who, you know, you, you you have led a very interesting life and you've got a fantastic literary career. But what made you decide that you wanted to step uh, kind of you know, back into the world of nonfiction and write a defense of the Second Amendment? Um, well, it's kind of funny. So I, I, I've been a novelist for the last uh, you know 12 years or 13 years. I'm very successful at that. Done really well. But before that, I was in the gun business. I uh, was a CCW instructor. I uh, did a lot of lobbying. I was actually a machine gun dealer. I was an SOT Title VII uh, for the gun nuts out there. Uh, and I was, I've was i been involved in guns, a uh, huge gun guy for 30 years. And so, um, and then Regnery Republishing wanted to put out a definitive like uh, guide to the Second Amendment debate to, to kind of like help move the needle. They wanted to arm our people with good facts and uh, good arguments and also kind of like try to move fence setters. And they said, who do we know who first is a good writer uh, and then second really knows guns? And one of the editors had worked on some of my thrillers and uh, science fiction novels. And he's like, oh, I've got the guy. <laughs> 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 yes, that's how, that's how this happened. I'm, I'm a huge gun nut and a uh, uh, huge Second Amendment advocate. And so I jumped at the chance. I, I This is something that I, like I said, I've 30 years I've been studying this topic. Uh, and so I was really happy and I, I hope it moves the needle. And honestly, so far from the reaction, it's been super positive. People are really liking it. So I, I hope it helps. Well, listen, I mean, I got to tell you, it's coming out at, at such an incredibly important time because, you know, after the Bruin decision, you know, not only was that a big win for gun owners and Second Amendment supporters, but I think it was a real wake up call for the anti-gun activists out there. And we have seen this renewed push to, you know, ban so-called assault weapons from, uh, you know, California, Washington State, all the way over to New York. Basically, any blue state right now, in the wake of the Bruin decision, they are going after the right to carry. They're going after what you can own, uh, you know, who can own firearms. They, they are cracking down in a way that I haven't seen in 20 years of covering this issue. I mean, this is such a, a sustained, broad push to criminalize a constitutional right. And you're hearing people like Gavin Newsom, uh, who was on CNN on Tuesday night, say, uh, you know, is this the price of freedom? These mass shootings that we've had in Half Moon Bay and in Monterey Park, is this the price of freedom? So how would you respond to Gavin Newsom, Larry? Well, Gavin Newsom is uh, is a vulture. Uh, he's he's a clown. Uh, he, the guy is always perched waiting for a tragedy and he swoops in to dance in the blood. Um you're, you're absolutely right. I, I, the push is nuts right now because I think Bruin poked him in the eye. 
uh, and also said that they're they're super illegal, uh, unconstitutional, ridiculous, shall issue concealed carry laws uh, were no longer allowed. I'm sorry, not shall issue, may issue concealed carry laws, which basically is just always, always turns into a racist bribery scheme everywhere that has it. Um, Supreme Court struck that down. It was like a, they got poked in the eye. Uh, and so they had to redo their laws anyway to try to to uh, to agree with Bruin. Instead, the stuff they're they're handing back is so ridiculous. Uh, Colorado, Maryland, uh, New York, um, Illinois. It's 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 interesting to push. And then and on the federal level, at the same exact time, you have the ATF uh, doing their new super absurd brace ruling. I'm sure we'll talk about that. Uh, it just causes millions of us to be felons overnight. Um, I think we've really got them kind of on the rope so because a lot of this stuff is it has got the stink of desperation on it and it, like in illinois you know, there's 110 counties i think or something like that in illinois and like mm-hmm. 90 of them the sheriffs are saying they're not going to enforce it because it's that blatantly unconstitutional yeah um, you know it's it's interesting i mean i've talked with a number of second amendment attorneys um since bruin who have and really over the past couple of months who have made the analogy that that these blue state Democrats today are acting like uh, Southern Democrats did after Brown versus Board of Education, right? And, and they've invoked the specter of massive resistance. Um, and, and I think that there are a lot of parallels to that, quite honestly. But, you know, when you talk about they're on the ropes, I think you're right. And we saw that same reaction, frankly, after Brown versus Board of Education, right? Uh, where I live in Virginia, uh, the governor imposed massive resistance uh, to the point that Prince Edward County, which is the adjoining county to where I live, shut down the public schools for five years um, rather than integrate. And they provided vouchers to white kids to go to private schools. They didn't provide vouchers for black kids to go to private schools. Uh, and that was a, a case that uh, the Supreme Court took up. It's called Griffin versus Prince Edward County. That wasn't decided until 1965. It was 11 years after Brown versus Board of Education. Now, ultimately, those laws fell, right? And now we've got integrated schools in Prince Edward County. Farmville is a very different place than it was in 1960 or 1965. But these things do take time. And I, I think it's important that gun owners understand we are in the civil rights fight of our generation. And as, as flagrant as these abuses are, unfortunately, the court kind of works at its own pace and at its own time, right? Yeah, if you think about it, like, for example, the Fifth Circuit just uh, uh, declared the bump stock ban to be the ATF's unilateral bump stock ban to be unconstitutional. That took mm-hmm. four years. Um, and that's four years of law abiding citizens getting rolled up uh, in this awful situation. So how long will it take for these uh, bans to get struck down in court? And then also the courts are once again, as they work their way through the courts, if you have a leftist court, they're just going to rubber stamp it. They're going to say, oh, yeah, we're we're. We're cool with whatever, you know, every, everything, right. everything is good. They'll, they'll rubber stamp it. And so it could take years. And that whole time, uh, if you're not complying, you're, you know, technically committing a felony and they will prosecute you and they'll throw the book at you. So I, I with the ATF thing being federal nationwide, uh, I'm hoping that some judge and within that 120 day window, uh, you know, throws the brakes on that just because it is nationwide and there are judges who are sane. So we'll see what happens yeah. there. Uh, but like the Illinois one, I know for a fact there are, I think, six or eight lawsuits already. Um, mm-hmm. New York, uh, there's a bunch of lawsuits. They, they just had to deal with the second court, uh, second circuit is is being forced to uh, examine, I want to say like four or five cases at the same time, all against the yeah. same New York I think law. at least four, yeah. 
Yeah, and you're right. I mean, and, and you know, listen, the Ninth Circuit is, uh, you know, full of. I think we've got more than a dozen lawsuits going on against uh, various laws in California. Um, the, you know, and the Bruin decision did give us, I think, the the basis to overturn a lot of these laws, right? Uh, the state Absolutely. now has to try to justify these things uh, by pointing to similar laws throughout history. Uh, and, and uh, you know, Larry, I mean, listen, you know this as well as I do. I'm sure you talk about this in uh, defense of the Second Amendment. The types of bans that we're seeing now. Just simply, there, there are no analogs. When when the lever action, you know, rifle was first becoming popular, you didn't have moms demanding bans on lever action, right? It, when nobody's out there trying to ban revolvers and you know throw Samuel Colt in jail uh, for you know misleading the American public, these are modern creations of the modern gun control movement who are now trying to redefine our our right to keep and bear arms into nothingness, right? Yeah. Absolutely. I think it's fascinating that when the when the Supreme Court said you have to have a historical analog, that immediately states like California, for their defense, they went and found the historical analogs are the most racist things you've ever heard of. <laughs> and, it, and it wasn't like, well, we, want un, we don't want undesirables and uppity people uh, with their inferior genetic, with their inferior eugenics and their small heads that don't hold as much, you know, uh, uh, you know, phrenology to, <laughs> and that's the laws they're citing are these like absurd, ridiculous, crazy. Uh, we don't want the Irish, uh, or the, or the Catholics. We don't want the Poles to be armed in New York city that because of the, the Irish are given to drunken rages and we can't let them have repeating revolvers. <laughs> Yeah, you're right. The statutes they're cited are so facially unconstitutional. And, you know, you're like, okay, well, thanks for giving us that evidence. That just proves our case, quite frankly. I, um, I am just so, imagining Clarence Thomas laughing his butt off when they when they put that in there. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, what 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 do you hope that folks? First of all, I, I got to guess that that you're hoping that non-gun owners will pick up this book as well, right? This isn't just for people who are already gun owners who are already Second Amendment supporters, right? Yeah, absolutely. Uh, that was one of the things was I, I, I wanted – I was um, – I set it out with two audiences, basically. People who are already on our side, let's arm them with facts and help them articulate good arguments. You know, I'm, I'm a storyteller. That's what I do. Um, then the other part, you have the people who are kind of on the fence – they, they, they're, you know, they, they might be anti-gun in that that's what they've been taught their whole lives. That's what the news tells them. Uh, they're the people who get preyed upon with the whole emotional knee-jerk reaction thing that the media loves. And that's the people Gavin Newsom is uh, is trying to sway when he comes out dancing in the blood. So well, I wrote this basically for for everybody. Um, <clears throat> obviously, I don't think Shannon Watts is going to buy a bunch of copies um, to give to her <laughs> friends. But this Maybe is kind for of the bonfire. That, <laughs> you know, I still get royalties. So if she wants to buy them and burn them, I'm okay. I, I, we'll, we'll print more. I mean, uh, we can do another print one. That's not a problem. <laughs> but uh, no, I wrote it for – so for example, I mean, I, I don't want to pick on a friend of mine, but I have a friend of mine who wants to have guns, uh, but his wife is dead set against uh, having guns in the house. And so he, he he was trying to talk her into it. And, you know, I wrote I wrote a book for people like that. You know, this is if you are somebody who's into this, if you want to, like, try to sway a loved one, you know, this is for you. That's that's gotcha. going for it. And and listen, I mean, I think that that type of advocacy, that one on one advocacy. Right. That's really how we make a difference. Um, it, it's it, you know, 
showing up, talking to your lawmakers, that's really important. Testifying, you know, when you can to, to oppose bad bills or to support good ones, that's critically important too. But when we're having our conversations with our friends and our neighbors, you're right. We have a chance to influence them uh, and to provide the information that they're not going to get from the media, that they're not going to get from anti-gun politicians. They're certainly not going to get from people who want to take their rights away. We're able to give them. And when we're talking to our friends and neighbors, we're a trusted source, right? So they are more inclined to listen to us than they are some talking head on the TV. Exactly. And it's all, it's all about this debate over time has changed because um, – when I was young, 30 years ago, when I was a young guy first getting into, uh, you know, the gun nutty world and starting to competition shoot and get involved in politics and that kind of thing, uh, the, the gun culture was very different. We tended to be a little more insular. Uh, we tended to be, uh, you know, we talk about, we joke about gun culture 1.0, 2.0, whatever. But honestly, it really was. It was very, there was much a, a country club kind of thing. And you had a lot of people that were like, well, I've got my hunting rifles. I'm okay if they disarm those people. I don't like those people, you know. Uh, that is not where we're at anymore. It's changed so dramatically in the years I've been doing this. I have watched it go from being insular, cliquish, you know, high school mean girls cafeteria table uh, <laughs> to being kind of seen by a lot of people as, like you said, a civil rights battle, a fundamental civil rights battle uh, of our time. And it, it's become way more welcoming. The demographics have shifted too. it's no longer. I mean, the media still likes to portray it as this old white redneck thing. Right. Uh, and it's not, it's not at all. It's evolved and it's everybody. The second minutes for all people. And so when I'm writing this book, one of my goals is to get out in front of those people who like, uh, realize that, wow, I'm it. I, I'm, I am my own line of defense. I am my first responder. I'm it. 2020 was uh, awful in a lot of ways, but there was a bright side. There was a, there was a, a silver lining to this dark cloud in that, as America's cities were burning and chaos reigned, there was uh, a lot of people who realized they were on their own for the first time. They had bought into the anti-gun narrative that the state's going to protect me. I'm going to be just I'm not I'm going to be unarmed and a good citizen and the cops will come. All of a sudden, we had police departments saying, well, you know what? Uh, don't call 911. We can't help you. You're on your own. Good luck. Uh, gun sales in 2020 went to astronomical levels. If you look at the, the, the numbers of NICS checks, talk to any FFL in America, 2020 was crazy. And there was lines out the door and people were paying scalpers prices for guns. And the thing is, that wasn't us. That wasn't our people. We got ours. We, we, we don't pay over retail. <laughs> we don't pay MSRP. You know, we don't stand in line. Um, but it was new people. And so, like, talking to my local gun dealer, most of the people he had were first-timers. They, they had never seen a 4473 before. Um, talking to, to please people in states with background checks, they're having people come in, I need a gun right now. My neighborhood's on fire. Can I get whatever? And they're like, well, sorry, you got your uh, – sure, fill this out. No, then I'll begin your 10-day waiting period. Yeah. And it's like, well, I'll be dead in 10 days. And they're like, yeah, take that up with Gavin Newsom. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? Um and so that's a lot of new people over the last uh, few years have come into this world. And honestly, and I talk about this in the book a lot, but it's our responsibility to, uh, to, to teach these people, to train them, help them, uh, bring them to the range, get them up to speed, direct them to, to good resources, uh, uh, let up, you know, get them to know about the actual law and how this stuff works. Yeah. Um, but that's the future. And that's, the, I mean, it's a civil rights battle and it's for everybody. So let's, you know, let's go all in on this and let's get everybody involved that we can. 
Absolutely. Uh, and this book, again, a fantastic uh, jumping off point to start that conversation with a lot of folks in defense of the Second Amendment. Uh, Larry Correa, thank you so much for coming on the program today. I hope we get a chance to do this again soon. And, and I would be remiss if I didn't ask, because I know my audience wants to know, <clears throat> what's the uh, what's the latest with the Monster Hunter series? <laughs> Uh, there's another uh, Monster Hunter Memoirs uh, spinoff coming out in October uh, by me and Jason Cordova. And then the next mainline book should be out in 2024. That's the next one in my queue. Uh, All right. Every, everything's about three months behind, though, because of gun book. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Well, I'm OK with that. I am OK with that three month delay because this is a really important book. And uh, Larry, again, real pleasure talking with you today. Hope we get a chance to do this again very soon. I'd love to have you back. I do appreciate Larry being with us on the program. Uh, go pick up a copy of In Defense of the Second Amendment uh, I, I, and I, I pick, pick up two or three. Don't give any to Shannon Watts. She doesn't need the firewood. But, uh, you know, pass them out to family and friends. And uh, I, I hope, like Larry, that uh, this book is going to have an impact and it will make a difference in the uh, debate going forward. Now, let's turn our attention to today's Armed citizen story, our good deed of the day and our recidivist report. We'll start there with a case out of Michigan where a uh, man has pleaded guilty to carjacking an elderly woman at a Walmart in uh, Sterling Heights, Michigan. This gentleman no stranger to the law, unfortunately. Uh, he's got a criminal history that uh, goes back to 2019. But Jason Graves has really never received any time behind bars for his uh, previous offenses, even though they include violent offenses like resisting arrest, domestic violence, uh, two counts of assault and battery. That led to... Six months in jail and two years probation. Uh, when he violated probation, he got more probation for that incident. 2020, he was charged with assault with intent to do great bodily harm and domestic violence. The assault charge was dropped. He pleads guilty to domestic violence. He gets one year probation. Uh, let's see, uh, November 2020, uh, domestic violence. Nine months in jail, two years probation, supposed to have uh, anger management, violates probation there, gets more probation. Uh, and now, again, most recently accused of uh, carjacking an 80-year-old woman last November, uh, throwing her to the ground. She suffered minor injuries uh, in that attack. Uh, he was discovered a few hours later, tried to uh, run over police, allegedly, and then uh, crashed his car and was taken into custody. Uh, Graves is facing a potential life sentence for the carjacking charge, but uh, he did take a plea bargain in this case, taking the uh, plea for carjacking and sold a dangerous weapon uh, while prosecutors agreed to uh, drop charges of fleeing and eluding police as well as resisting arrest. Sentencing is March 15th. We'll see what happens for uh, Mr. Graves here. But um, I would be shocked, utterly shocked, if uh, Graves does not once again get what's amount get get what amounts to a, a slap on the wrist. Now today's armed citizen story: Roswell, New Mexico, where police say a shooting at a Roswell business on Monday morning was self defense, but this was not a case of a, uh, a store customer or an employee defending themselves against an armed robber. Uh, unfortunately, this was a case of domestic violence, according to police. Um, they got notified about 8 o'clock Monday morning. A guy called and said, listen, uh, there's a woman with a gun outside of this uh, business, and she says she needs help. When officers arrived, they uh, did find the woman uh, still there outside the store uh, with a firearm in hand. Um, inside the store, they found the woman's husband, Brian Jimmer, uh, Jeremio, uh, with uh, multiple gunshot wounds. According to authorities, based on um, interviews with the woman, as well as physical evidence that they were able to obtain at the scene, 
they determined that Brian Jeremilio was beating his wife and had threatened to kill her when she drew her firearm and uh, shot in self-defense. They do not plan to charge files uh, to file charges against the woman. Again, they believe that she was defending herself. Um, this is a tragic situation all around. And, um, yeah, I'm not celebrating the fact that uh, uh, she was put in this position, but I am very, very grateful that she was able to protect herself. It is just a heartbreaking situation that, you know, a loved one was the uh, person who put her at risk of death or great bodily harm. And thankfully, again, she's able to stop that assault, stop that attack, and defend her life. Uh, today's good deed of the day from Alabama. And I feel a little weird reporting the source here because I, I think this is the first time I've ever used the New York Times uh, as a, uh, a good deed of the day uh, source. But here you go. Farmer secretly paid for his neighbor's prescriptions for years. Hody Childress broadcast every month to a pharmacist in Alabama asking her to use it to help people buy medicine. The town learned of the arrangement only after his death. This is, I got to say, even if it is the New York Times, uh, Emily Schmall did a great job reporting on the uh, kindness and generosity of Hody Childress, who uh, passed away um, not long ago, actually, uh, at the age of 80. And it wasn't until after he died again that the uh, community in Geraldine, Alabama, learned that he had been providing money to local pharmacists to help those who were struggling to cover the cost of their medication. Um, folks like uh, Eli Schlager, who's 15, uh, he needed an EpiPen, but his family kind of didn't know what to do. And they realized that uh, one dose would cost 800 bucks, even with insurance coverage. Um, the pharmacist found a coupon to knock a few hundred dollars off the total, but uh, they still didn't have the money. So the uh, pharmacist, Brooke Walker, uh, according to Emily Schmall, turned to an envelope full of carefully folded $100 bills from an anonymous donor and was able to provide that EpiPen for the family. Every month for more than 10 years, Hody Childress made those cash donations. Family says he grew up poor, surviving with his family on sustenance farming by hunting small game. Their house had no electricity until Mr. Childress was about seven. Childress joined the Air Force, then worked at Lockheed Martin for about 20 years until he retired in 2001. On Friday nights, he would carry his first wife, who had multiple sclerosis, up the bleachers at the local high school to watch football games according to one of his sons. After her death from complications of multiple sclerosis, uh, his family says he found uh, solace in farming with his son. And his uh, second wife, uh, Martha Jo, as well, she recalls uh, sitting on a combine in the Alabama heat and worrying that the heat will kill him. And she said, uh, let me tell you something. If, if I die on the tractor, I'll die a happy man. Family says he also enjoyed cultivating his garden. And uh, he would hand out, you know, fresh produce, fresh strawberries, tomatoes, even homemade peanut brittle to the uh, thousand or so residents of Geraldine, Alabama. Um, and it was back in 2010 when he walked into Geraldine Drugs and pulled uh, the pharmacist aside saying, uh, I have a question. Do you ever have anybody who can't pay for their medication? And she said, yeah, it happens a good bit. And so he pulled out a $100 bill and said, next time that happens, I want you to use this. He said, I, I want it to be anonymous. I don't want to know any details on who you use it on. Just tell them this is a blessing from the Lord. And every month afterwards, he came back until late last year when uh, chronic obstructive pulmonary disease became uh, so severe that he couldn't leave the home. At that point, he let his daughter in on the secret. 
who promised to carry on the uh, contributions. Pharmacist says the uh, fund has helped at least two people a month over the past decade who didn't have insurance or whose benefits didn't cover their prescription medication. And again, he never wanted the accolades. He never wanted the attention. He just wanted to help. I think that defines being in the right place at the right time, being willing and able to do the right thing. So Hody Childress, a life well lived in Alabama and uh, his legacy continues there. We thank him and his family for his very good deed and carrying that tradition on. Now, that is going to do it for this edition of Bearing Arms, Cam and Company. We will be back tomorrow. We are uh, hopefully going to be taking a look at a uh, lawsuit out in California taking on the state's micro-stamping law. Big developments this week. We will bring you the details on the next edition. In the meantime, make sure you check out BearingArms.com throughout the day. We'll keep you caught up to date on everything going on when it comes to your Second Amendment rights. Good, bad, and the ugly. And unfortunately, there's a lot of that going around these days. If you like what you see, not necessarily in terms of what we're reporting on, but how we're reporting it, uh, I would encourage you to become a VIP member. All I have to do, go to BarryAndArms.com slash subscribe, use the promo code GUNRIGHTS, and you can get a significant savings on your VIP membership. In addition to uh, supporting the independent pro segment of journalism we do at Barry and Arms, we're going to give you exclusive content, news stories, and analysis you won't find anywhere else, because your support makes a difference, and it really does matter, so thank you. Enjoy the rest of your hump day Wednesday. We'll see you back here tomorrow. Until then, be well, be safe, and be free.